At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Before I do anything else, I need to offer you a trigger warning. This episode is dark and it involves sexual abuse of minors. It's not a topic that's easy to talk about and certainly not one I enjoy talking about. So if that type of content gives you anxiety, it's best that you sit this one out. This episode is not just about sexual abuse though, it's also about accountability. So to kick off this episode, I want to talk a little bit about my own personal opinions about police officers. Because of my work, I've learned to not blindly trust them. I respect them when they pull me over as a citizen. I have a good relationship with police officers, including the chief in the town where I live. But you won't see any blue line stickers on my car or flags hanging from my porch. I've covered two cases where incompetent and or corrupt policing sent men to life in prison for murders they did not commit. Through this podcast, you've seen where innocent men have been locked up and suspects have been ignored. Dating back several decades to the days of the Southern Illinois Mafia, I've talked about how criminals have been able to pay off cops to look the other way. I've been told over and over again by sources that police have planted drugs on them in order to boost a misdemeanor charge to a felony in order to get them to snitch on others. I've been told by law enforcement officers that I trust that many officers in Scott County have had sex with their informants. I've been told that an officer still wearing a uniform sexually assaulted a female officer while on duty, but a prosecutor convinced the female officer to not bring charges. While I was at the Southeast Missourian, we published a story about a Scott County deputy who had sex with a minor boy who had previously attended a police academy training. One of the most notorious antagonists in my reporting career was Clay Waller, who killed his wife, Jackie Waller. Clay Waller was a former Cape Girardeau County deputy. In a different example, I've spoken with a source that says he saw a man now serving as sheriff in the southeast Missouri region to have sex with a jail inmate many years ago. I can give many other examples. I could go on and on, but you get the idea. My resistance to blind loyalty to the police has not been influenced by national media, famous cases, or political movements. I've seen enough, heard enough, written enough in my own experience that I know, unfortunately, the police profession has many warts. I know plenty of good cops, but the policing profession, in my observation, often draws candidates for the wrong reasons, much like priesthood or youth organizations. With the badge comes power and access to vulnerable people, and men who seek power often go into policing craving that power. Some go into the profession seeking to abuse that power. 
Sometimes it's for sex. Sometimes it's for money. Like religious church institutions that have plenty of well-meaning people in leadership positions, the law enforcement profession has plenty of good cops. But there are too many bad apples, and there are far, far too few police officers willing to speak up about those bad apples. It's been my experience that law enforcement does not police itself well, and that prosecutors are often afraid to stand up to them. I didn't always have these views. I grew up in small towns and rural places in Illinois and Missouri. Like Michelle Lawless, I grew up in the shadows of a Southern Baptist church. I grew up believing the good guys wore the badges and they caught the bad guys, and that our Constitution and justice system made things fair for everyone. More than a quarter century in journalism shattered that Mayberry image of policing for me. I believe many law enforcement officers share this view. If you've listened to this podcast with regularity, you know that several police officers have spoken to me both on and off the record, some trying to expose the corruption that existed. Others have spoken to me off the record about things that were going on in the background. After the events of Ferguson, Missouri, a line was drawn, and it seemed like people were forced to stand on one or the other side of that line. And I refused to do that. Justice requires nuance. The Lawless Files is a pro-justice podcast. We have to remember that police officers have tremendous power to take away our freedoms. Yes, they protect. Yes, they serve. Unfortunately, the public's blind faith in police and a strong fraternal urge among police to protect their own is a recipe for abuse. Officers make an oath to the Constitution and to the people they serve, not their co-workers. That's not to say the job isn't dangerous. An analysis by Business Insider ranked policing as the 18th most dangerous job in America with a fatality injury rate of 13.4 per 1,000 full-time equivalent workers. Earlier this year, for example, in Bonterre, Missouri, Officer Lane Burns was shot and killed in the line of duty. Another officer, Corporal Garrett Worley, was also injured by gunfire. Sometimes the good guys with the badge pay the ultimate sacrifice of confronting the bad guys. That's the reality of the job, and when that happens, we should pay our respects. It's also true that laborers, like loggers, farmers, and mechanics, also risk death as a reality of their professions. All those professions die at a higher rate than police officers. They deserve our respect, too. But you don't see flags on trucks representing loggers or construction workers. You don't see fast food restaurants offering coffee discounts to farm laborers who work dangerous jobs. As a society, we glorify and we honor police officers to hold a special importance to us. But police officers have a tremendous power to limit our freedom. So it's important that in addition to giving them respect, that our systems also hold them accountable. Today we're going to talk about three cops who abused their power and a police chief and the police department that should be praised for not looking the other way. I'm your host, Bob Miller. You're listening to The Lawless Files.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. If you've listened to recent episodes, you know I've had my eyes on Fredericktown, Missouri and Madison County and the general mineral area of Missouri for a month or two now. Timmy Diaz's disappearance and death happened in Fredericktown, and before that, Jesse Wilfong had left Fredericktown before traveling to Cape Girardeau County, where she was last seen. Jesse was eventually found buried in a barn, and her uncle and uncle's girlfriend were charged with her murder. Both Timmy's death and Jesse's death had connections to Fredericktown, which is in the mineral area. There's also the Durante Martin case, a case that should be investigated as a homicide. I've interviewed Durante's mother, and I hope to be able to do an episode on that soon as I try to gather more information. There are several more cases where people are crying out, wondering what's going on with policing in this area of the state. Is it incompetence? Is it corruption? There are no answers, at least not from me. We just don't know if these cases are connected, whether officials are looking the other way, whether they don't have the resources or don't have the motivation to investigate properly. We just don't know what's going on. It's safe to say that families of several victims are not happy at all with the way law enforcement in general is handling these cases. And these cases, again, are all kind of in that mineral area up there in Washington, St. Francis, Madison counties. But we do know what's happened with three specific officers from the small town of Potosi, Missouri. Potosi, the county seat of Washington County, has a population of around 2,500 people or so. It's about 70 miles south of St. Louis and about 43 miles northwest of Fredericktown. Potosi is a lead mining settlement. It's about 18 miles west of Bonterre, which is the town where another cold case murder is the subject of a serial podcast called Small Town Forgotten. Potosi, spelled P-O-T-O-S-I, is known, at least in media circles, for being the home to the Potosi Correctional Center, which housed Missouri's death row and state's executions until 2005. Now those are carried out at a correctional center in Bonterre. This town has a population, again, of 2,500 people. Yet in the last three years or so, three officers have been charged with sex crimes with minors. On August 9th, less than a week ago, the police chief of Potosi, Missouri, contacted members of the Missouri State Highway Patrol Division of Drug and Crime Control. This is the same division, if you recall, that Scott County Prosecutor Amanda Ash tapped to look into and offer recommendations regarding the Michelle Lawless murder. But this is Troop C doing the investigation, not Troop E, where Scott County is located. The DDCC is the division responsible for keeping law enforcement officers in check. The Potosi chief's name is Michael Gum. A mother had contacted the police department saying that she had found vape cartridges in her son's room. When she asked her son where the cartridges came from, her son told her that they had come from Potosi officer Matthew N. Skaggs. That's S-K-A-G-G-S. This information, by the way, comes from a probable cause statement written by Corporal Shannon S. Sitton, S-I-T-T-O-N, of the Missouri Highway Patrol. Again, this is Troop C, not Troop E. At the time these allegations came forward, the accused officer was in Jefferson City for training. The mother of the victim told police that when she 
pressed her son about the details of obtaining these vape cartridges, her son told her that Skaggs gave him the cartridges in exchange for sexually explicit videos of himself. These vape cartridges were what's called Delta-8 THC cartridges, which are an illegal product without a prescription in Missouri. So what you have here are accusations that an officer was selling illegal drugs to a minor in exchange for pornographic images of the minor. The corporal, Shannon Sitton, and another trooper, Sergeant T. Craig, contacted the mother. The mother showed the officer screenshots of Snapchat messages between Skaggs and her son, again, according to the probable cause statement. In one message, Skaggs allegedly wrote, quote, Can I ask you a question and you be honest with me? Did it bother you to send me pics and videos or when I touched you? Unquote. The juvenile victim told officers that Skaggs asked him to send nude photos through Snapchat for the vape cartridges. The victim and Skaggs had met at the Potosi R3 Kindergarten Center by the basketball goals. Skaggs had arrived in his police car wearing his uniform, according to the statement. The victim said he got into the passenger seat, where Skaggs reached down the victim's pants and touched his genitals. The juvenile, according to the report, didn't like it and made an excuse to leave. He said Skaggs gave him the vape cartridges during the incident. The juvenile told the investigating officers that Skaggs had told him about another boy with whom he was doing something similar. The victim said Skaggs told him he was paying that boy also to do the same things, but he was not told the name of the other boy. Police now have the contents of the victim's phone in their possession. While the phone was in the police's possession, Skaggs allegedly sent a message to the phone which said, quote, What happened? I guess you're not answering me. Unquote. The probable cause states that Skaggs had his location services active and the message was sent from a hotel in Jefferson City, and that's where he was arrested. Earlier that evening, Skaggs had sent a message with a photo of a bottle of whiskey. The Snapchat account from which the message was sent was MSKA. GGS 112, that's M Skaggs 112, with 112 being Skaggs' badge number. On August 10th, the following day, the Highway Patrol investigators interviewed Skaggs. The probable cause statement says that Skaggs admitted trading vape cartridges to the juvenile in exchange for sexually explicit videos of the juvenile. Skaggs also admitted to officers that he touched the juvenile's buttocks through his clothing but the officer denied touching him under the clothes. The probable cause statement does not specifically give the age of the juvenile other than that the child was younger than 14 when the incident first occurred. The officer was charged with first-degree statutory sodomy, alleging that the defendant had deviant sexual intercourse with the victim who was younger than 14 years old. He was charged with the felony of enticement of a child for persuading the child to send nude pictures of himself performing a sex act. And he's charged with a felony of endangering the welfare of a child in the first degree. Bond was requested for $100,000 and he is now out on bond.
So obviously, this is a disgusting story. Everyone understands that. An officer is being accused of exchanging illegal substances to a juvenile in exchange for what amounts to child porn. He's accused by the victim of inappropriate touching, and he may have harmed others as well. According to the probable cause documents, Officer Skaggs had accepted a position as a school resource officer at Potosi R3 with the apparent motive of trying to gain more access to children. He is facing a life sentence plus 37 years. Again, as I said before, a certain percentage of officers seek the power of the badge for means other than protecting and serving the public. There is no clearer example than a child predator in a police uniform grooming a child for sexual gratification and seeking a job through his position that places him inside the school on a regular basis. But again, I want to applaud the Potosi police chief and the Missouri DDCC for acting swiftly on the information and filing charges immediately against this alleged predator. This type of action is what's needed, but not just for abuse of power against children, but in many other ways as well. The Skaggs arrest was the third in recent times in the small town of Potosi. In 2021, Potosi officer Kuntazi Jones, that's spelled Q U N. T-A-Z-I, Jones, was charged with seven counts of statutory rape involving a girl younger than 17 years old. Media reports stated that contact began when the girl was 14. The incidents occurred between April and September of 2017. He was sentenced to 10 years in May of 2021. The charges did not include information about how the officer enticed the victim, but rather only mentioned where several incidents took place. Kuntanze Jones also held police positions in Malden, Missouri, uh, which is in the Missouri Boot Hill, and he received law enforcement training from Three Rivers College in Poplar Bluff. He joined the Mineral Area College District Police Department as a police officer in 2016. The third officer was Todd Moyers. Moyers wasn't just a former cop, but a former county commissioner as well. He was charged in St. Francis County for sexual incidents that allegedly happened between March 1st and August 21st of 2018, in which time he was an officer with the Park Hills Police Department. The victim, according to the indictment, was, quote, known by defendant to be unable to make a reasonable judgment as to the nature or harmfulness of the sexual contact, unquote. Moyers allegedly coerced the girl to send him nude photos of her and said in doing so he would drop a trespassing charge against her. According to media reports, documents show that 250 text messages were exchanged between Moyers and this victim. Moyers was at one point a Washington County deputy and an officer at the Potosi Police Department. The next court date for Moyers is August 26th of this year. So I think the obvious question that I have, and I'm sure many of you have, is if one tiny southeast Missouri town can have three officers abuse their positions to exploit juveniles in this three or four year window, how widespread is this abuse of power in police ranks all over the place? There are more than 18,000 local police departments in the United States. A quick Google search for sex crimes in 2022 by officers in Missouri reveals instances in Nixa, Piedmont, Hannibal, Lawrence, Troy and New Florence. The one from Hannibal was charged with sex trafficking. He'd worked as a juvenile officer for 30 years. 
An article written by a woman's media website called Dame wrote that 440 school children have been sexually abused by school police within the victim's school in the last 20 years. I think everyone listening to this episode today is appalled by this abuse of power because it involves minors. But how many instances involving sexual solicitation of adult women at traffic stops are being brought forward and prosecuted? Have you ever heard of a local officer being charged in such situations? What about officers who take money in exchange to get out of drug or traffic charges? What about officers who pocket money taken in drug busts? What about officers who use confidential informants for sex? Do we think these things don't happen? In one instance in Scott County, an officer was removed from one jurisdiction because of such a sexual contact with an informant, then ended up leading another department. There is a national database of decertified police officers, but it's not public. It's called the National Decertification Index, and it contains records of government regulatory actions taken against police and correctional officers found guilty of misconduct. There are a few problems with this database, the biggest being that if an officer is forced to resign rather than being fired, the jurisdiction doesn't have to enter the officer's misconduct in the database. This is how, for example, how an officer who lied on the stand to convict the wrong man for murder and was eventually forced to resign after a judge wrote that he was the least credible witness in the case, can end up keeping his police certification and land with the Division of Youth Services or a neighboring sheriff's department. And not all states participate in the NDI database. Hawaii, New Jersey, and Rhode Island don't contribute, and California's data is limited. Additionally, the FBI and the Drug Enforcement administration do not participate either. But again, unless the officer is fired and the jurisdiction enters data regarding this misconduct, the NDI database doesn't work for the prevention of hiring bad cops. So you can see there's a lot of room for abuse in police departments to continue on just as it did with the Catholic Church. The system allows for a department to force the resignation of an officer with no explanation to the public while allowing the officer to retain his certification and move to another department. This has also happened with teachers in school districts, though recent laws have made certain reporting mandatory for teachers in Missouri. So as we continue to examine the Michelle Lawless case in Scott County and other unsolved cases within the mineral area, we need to re remember that we shouldn't blindly trust police just because they wear a badge. These three cops, who once worked for the same tiny Potosi Police Department, within just a handful of years, are living proof that bad apples do invade our police ranks. I'm not anti-police. I am pro-justice. Police deserve praise when warranted, but their power must be held to account, and their abuse must be pruned. Police hold the keys to investigations, to evidence, 
They're on the front lines of our judicial system. We need to trust them, but not blindly. Only through this pruning of bad actors can the public trust the men in blue. I'm your host, Bob Miller. Thank you for listening to The Lawless Files. Never hear jokes or casual banter on the Lawless Files. We believe that journalism and storytelling can play a role in justice, whether it be shedding light on a case that's not getting enough attention, exposing corruption, or even just informing people on how our system is supposed to work versus how it actually does. Our hope is that the Lawless Files moves justice forward. The Lawless Files was produced in memory of Michelle Lawless who was murdered on November 8, 1992. Much of the information in telling that story came from women once abused by suspects in Michelle's murder. All of our episodes are dedicated to the domestic violence victims who dared to speak to me despite those risks. The Lawless Files is a production of Leadhound Publishing, LLC. It's edited, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Bob Miller. You can support our efforts by purchasing our access pass at www.thelawlessfiles.com or sharing this podcast with your friends. Thank you for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.